Live from the summit in Tucson, Arizona, the Core presents Sales Training Boot Camp with Marjorie Adam and Dayton Schrader. Today's topic, a day in the life of a top producer for real estate. How about that? Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube cat juggling videos, none of that came in, right? <laughs> Nobody mentioned going to Mooch in a free open house lunch from some builder. Or that was not on the list. Or a lender. Right? Nobody said anything about their fantasy football league. Nobody said anything about planning their vacation or shopping on Amazon. How dangerous is Amazon? Man, you can get sucked into that vortex real quick. All right? Oh, I like that book. Oh, I like that book too. Oh, I like the book too. And so on. None of that stuff came up. So what I want you to do at your tables now is just go around and, and write down two or three challenges or objections that you have to, to having a great day, a great successful day. And then we're going to share some of them. We're going to come up with how we handle those, how we move those, how we delegate those, and overcome those issues. Y'all talk for a second among yourselves, and we'll come up with what the biggest challenges you have with having a really great day. Go ahead. Let's hear it. The, the sun was in my eyes. The dog ate my homework. What's, what, are, what are the excuses or challenges? So who wants to volunteer? Oh, come on now. Yes, sir. Thank you. Just hop up for me, please. Well, for me, it's, uh, it's, it's like I got a client that he gets his Tuesday update calls, but he texts and on Sunday on Monday morning. You know, I'm in the daytime or something. So there's some there's stuff that's business-related outside of my block. Right. And so you can you can manage by exception, or you can say, I really need your help on this. I, 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 my protocol is to call everybody on Tuesday. I promise you, I will call you on Tuesday. Monday, you're asking for information that I don't get until Monday morning, Monday afternoon, and I want to distill all that down. So if I keep my promise to you, would that be all right? And I tell you what, I'll put 100 bucks on the table that says, if I don't call you by noon on Tuesday, I will mail you a crisp hundy. And get them. You gotta, you gotta establish your your uh, primacy on that deal. Otherwise, then they're gonna, Monday's gonna turn into Sunday night. What's the feedback from the showing? They just ha- just pulled out of my driveway, and I want to know what the feedback is and all that stuff. So you got you got to train them, and that's not a you got to train them that that's just not gonna work. Yes, sir. So one of my big challenges, I put things on my calendar like a power hour, and when 10 o'clock rolls around, I find an excuse not to do it. And I'm like, I can wait a little bit to do it. And my assistant calls me on it, actually, and she's like, what the hell? You know, you put it on your calendar, why don't you do it? If you're not going to do it, don't put it on your calendar. (laughs) Yeah, so I used to be awful at that, to the point that my um, assistant would say, am I just wasting my time making this list? Um, and Ooh, that's getting called out right there. Oh, yeah. I have empowered. My team is 100% empowered to hold me accountable 100%. So I will tell you two things. You are teaching your team that it's okay to not follow a schedule and to not hold you accountable, and my team won't allow me to do it. So I'm a squirrel, absolutely, right? So if I, if I can derail a little bit, I will. So I'm handed the list. Everything that's, you know, something that could distract me is taken away, and then I'm, I have to turn it in when I'm done, period, right? And if I don't make the calls, it's unacceptable, right? And, and I don't like it. I will tell you, I'm like, don't tell me what to do. You know, okay, you're a preacher. But if you don't hold yourself to the level of accountability, then what you've told your team is it's okay for you not to do your job because I don't do mine. So how can you then say, it's like I'm late to work, but, you're, you know, I'm going to write you up for being late. It's the same thing. They have a, a you know, schedule they have to follow and their duties. Is it okay for them not to make those calls, right? So to me, it just got to a point that I was sort of embarrassing myself, and I wasn't doing what I was told to do, and I wasn't letting them do their job. So she will absolutely, like, am I doing my job today? Now, it doesn't happen anymore because I was like, okay. But I think you have to, if it's on the calendar, it has to get done. There's no excuse, and do it. Right, because we just allow ourselves 
oh, I don't feel so well today, right? Something else is happening. I have a very important thing that only I can fix. Only me, me, me. Nobody else can, you know, it's got to be, this is how it's done, right? And don't, it, don't show your team that it's okay to get away with that. So along those lines, it, it's, um, uh, when, in Todd's class the other day, or like, Todd and Tammy Wittrin taught a very good class yesterday, and Todd talked about the three major responsibilities for every position on your team, including yours. What are your three major responsibilities, and what are the three major metrics tied to those responsibilities? So your job is work with buyers and sellers, count the money, lead the team, or whatever your – it's an agreement on your team. What is your job? What are your three major responsibilities and what are the three major metrics? So if your, your responsibility is uh, Tuesday update calls and your metric is call 100% of our current clients, buyers, sellers, escrows, and you don't do it, you let your team down. And you've got you've to surrender to that process. You've got to surrender to their authority too, whoever manages your calendar. Who's next? Yes, ma'am. Go. So, oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I find that, uh, just like they were saying, the depth of the relationship, you know, not rushing the phone calls. Right. I'll just get caught up in conversations with people. So uh, Gavin had the, the setting the expectation when you start the phone call that, hey, I got a you know, meeting coming up in five minutes, but I wanted to call you for X, Y, and Z just to set that expectation prior to it so you can kind of cut it off. There are people that are really wordy, but I thought, Oleg, I think you crushed it yesterday oh. in class. You did a great job. Where are, there you are. I, I, I thought you did a great job. When Rick gave you, when Rick gave you a fist bump in the break, uh, the, the, the meeting this morning, I knew you'd done a good job. And so, but taking the extra time. And so, and uh, you guys were all in the big room yesterday when Oleg was on stage. He talked about making his realtor update calls on Monday from his house and not being distracted by anything else. No files, no nothing. And so if somebody wants to spill their guts and tell you all about it, then you're not a big rush. You are right. There are some people that will suck the life out of you when you call them and they'll drag you into that conversation. And so the, the tactic is, hey, I've only got a couple of minutes. I got a client waiting in the lobby, but I wanted to give you a quick update. Is that OK? And or I'm getting ready to walk into an appointment or whatever. And so but I want to if you need more, I'll call you later. But I wanted to just hit this really fast. Is that OK? Get their permission. Always ask, is this a good time? If you call somebody and they just got lit up by their boss or their wife or somebody else, you're going to walk into a buzzsaw, and no matter what you say, it's not going to get you anywhere. So always ask, is this a good time? Do you have a minute? And if they say, no, I'm slammed right now, say, I'll catch you later, or I'll send you an evite or something like that or a calendar invite to schedule time for later. If it is a good time, then you know whether whether high D what they are, do you want to chat about the kids and the family and, and the dog and the weekend and the football game? Or is it, give me the bullet points real quick, let's go. We can talk about fun and that sort of thing. you got to know who what their disc profile is when you're talking to them so you speak their language and, and, and speak at their pace. That's a, good ta- that's a good tactic. Yes, ma'am. So in getting ready for my power hour, part of what I struggle with is figuring out who to call. And so what I'll do is I'll go to Facebook and I'll see, oh, so you want to be sort of informed. So someone that you haven't spoken with with for six months, you've got something to talk about. And then that's a rabbit hole that you go down and, you know, you come up for air and then you've lost 15 minutes. And then I'm beating myself up with all the other stuff that I'm seeing, like, oh, gosh, how I, I missed they had a baby and I missed it and blah, blah, blah. I'm not the only one that struggles with that, am I? No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no. I mean, we. I, I don't know what the answer is. I guess I just needed so to like. There's like, a I need easy therapy. answer. <laughs> the easy answer is you don't get to do the research. So Let's when say that you, again. So it's we're going to get into the theme. Yeah, that's good. Over, that's the question. That's a great. That's so, that is a common yeah, problem. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm going to answer, but just you know. So just, okay. So it's Monday, and I have to make my Monday calls. Do you think that Randy is my assistant who is awesome because she will beat me up? Do you think Randy goes, who would you like to call today? And would you like to do it at 1030 instead of 10 so you can go to loft? No, right? It's here's your Monday calls. I need this when you're done. Notice um, she does the research. So remember, they had a baby three months ago. Remember that we really still do not have the clarity on is this the son 13 or 14 now. And remember that they were talking about in about six months they might move. She gives me from our database and I make the call, right? And I get to make this many calls, and I have to make all those calls, 
and I must turn it in filled in. Like, I don't get to go, I made calls. Where's the list? Oh, yeah, I'll get the list. Give me the list, right? So, again, it's done because I'm told when to do it. I'm given a list of who I'm calling for that day. So every day I have a call list. Because do you think I would do this on my own? No. So you have her do the yes. social media She does the research. Because don't go on social media is the rabbit hole, right? I can't. Do not put me in a rabbit hole. I don't know if I, I mean, and she, yes, she can do it. Say she yes, she can do it. She's not allowed to go down a rabbit hole. <laughs> but she needs, this is her job. This is what I need. I need to make these calls. These are the 12 people or 20 people I need to call. This is the information we need to gather, or you need to remind them of the happy hour, or this is what the last conversation was that we answered, so make sure they're good with it. It's them giving you the information, you making the call. And you, you, should, ha- in the sheet. you should have all that from your All About You form. And you constantly update that and prune that periodically. What else is going on? You know what? I'm still missing a birthday or I'm still missing this, but I wanted to ask you about the game last weekend or whatever. So you've got the the prompts that you need to carry on that conversation, and then you can write some extra notes in there. Oh, good news, big news, whatever that might be. That gets put back into your CRM. A new clean all about you form comes back next a month later when you call them again. You've got something to talk about. Yes, sir. I, I think you should consider the, the cost of your assistant going down a rabbit hole is a lot cheaper than you going down that rabbit hole. Um, and there's some value in having them do that instead of you. Well, and, and they need to, that's, we're kind of going down a rabbit hole of our own, but basically they also <laughs> need to have their schedule. Hey, if, if her power hour is 10 o'clock on Monday morning, then they've got 30 minutes to, to quickly scrub through social media to see if there's any pertinent updates that need to be added to anybody's all about you form that's a good prompt for Marjorie. But 30 minutes, that's it. Not all day long, diddle-bopping around, doing this or that or the other. And so they've got a schedule too. But we're going to get our schedule right first, then we're going to work on everybody else's. Other challenges with respect to interruptions, disruptions, part of your your getting that day right. I bet you I have, in a week, when I come back on Monday, there will be ten people sitting in my office when I walk in. Wow. For I what purpose? you not. Name it. Baseball, uh, donations, food drive that we're running right now. You need a gatekeeper. There, you need a gatekeeper that says, oh, I'm so sorry. Yes, we can. No, we can't. We'll schedule it. Again, back to Oleg. If you can fix it in two minutes, fix it. If you can't, delegate it or defer it. And so, hey, somebody just popped in. Oh, a real client? Absolutely, I'll pop off. I'll, I'll, I'll go and say hello. I'm not interested in, in the Girl Scout cookie deal or the wall, the wrapping paper, not wallpaper, wrapping paper or that kind of stuff or the title rep or the mortgage rep. That's not how that works. And you've got to have somebody that will protect your flank. Otherwise, anybody just that you, you again, they've been trained incorrectly. Yes, sir. I think uh, one of my biggest challenges right now being brand new and just having hired my first RP1 is that I don't necessarily do a good job of budgeting time to either train or to think about the things that just come up during the day. So those urgent things that come up, I usually just take care of or I take the training opportunity that should have taken 15 minutes, took an hour and a half to really thoroughly explain that to them. So that tends to run over time blocks. Okay, so you have Dayton Schrader syndrome. Isn't that a good thing? Should I be making a No, that is not a good thing. I've been. <laughs> Dayton Schrader syndrome is the, the overwhelming need to give away too much stuff for too long and love the sound of his own voice and drone on and on and on. And so, uh, Rick tells me all the time, you talk too much, you give away too much, you've got too much stuff. Keep it simple. So, training 15, 20 minutes. You gotta have an agenda. You gotta have a curriculum. What do you want to accomplish? Not just, oh, let's go, again, we get so distracted and we got attention span of a three-year-old or a hummingbird on crack or whatever, and you, you got to have a little more structure in that, which, which is a great segue to topic number two. Yes, except before we do that. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, I just, because I want to ask you some questions. Yeah, okay. Because I think if I come to this class and I'm sitting out there, I want to know a little bit about the day in the life. So can I, is it okay if I ask you some questions? I don't so, know. We'll see. Example, I haven't seen the question, so I don't know. No. So um, 
your day, what time do you start? I'm in the office between 8.15 and 8.30 every morning. Okay. And do you work off of a daily printed schedule? Absolutely. It's on my desk. The last thing I do before I leave uh, is print it out. It's in top producer, and it's my whole schedule for the day. So how full does your calendar need to be? Meaning, if I am the one that's in charge with filling your schedule, how many listing appointments do you want to have set? How many? What, like, what does that day look like in terms of your prospecting and your appointments? It, it varies from day to day, but it is uh, in the office. I check on everybody, swing by, say hello to everybody in the office, good morning, have a cup of coffee. Uh, I, we have a pipeline meeting at 9 o'clock, last 15 to 30 minutes. And then I'm on the phone, and then they've got me scheduled for lunch or a listing appointment or a buyer appointment or uh, a referral partner appointment. I may go to a meeting of some kind. And so my day's pretty well locked up. And then Thursday's coaching day. Every other Wednesday, I've got a call with Rick on a coaching the coaches call. And then I've got all my core responsibilities are all sprinkled throughout the week. I've got time blocked to do my homework because I'm still being coached by Todd right now. And so... I've got homework and deliverables for him, so I always make sure I've got a block of time to get that done, not at 8 o'clock on Wednesday night before it's due on Thursday, earlier in the week, so I've got time to actually do it and do it correctly, because you don't want to turn in sloppy homework to Todd, because that's a bad idea. It's a bad plan. And so it, that's how we roll. So and, and my people know what, they've seen the puzzle. They have seen, I've shared with them what the picture of the puzzle looks like. This is what my puzzle looks like. It looks like this is a great week, a great day. And so everybody knows what that looks like. So and how, that, how much helps. control do you have? So if you decided, meh, I want to move this around on my schedule, do you get to do that? Rarely. Okay. Rarely. There are times where I will have to apologize to somebody because I didn't put a personal thing on my schedule first and somebody saw a blank space and they dropped an appointment on it, and that's on me. So I've got stuff planned weeks and months in advance, trips, travel, fun, football games, you name it. And if I miss one of those deals and somebody plugs an appointment in without, it, and they have access to my calendar and they can make any appointment they want for me and drop it in there, and it's on me if I didn't already have that time blocked out. And they know what my boundaries are for hours and Saturdays and Sundays and things like that. So what about I'm one of your team members? And I, I really need to talk to you, Dayton. I mean, I, I have urgent needs, right? I, I need to speak with you. How does that work? Well, if it, hopefully I handle it in the daily team meeting. Otherwise, I'm going to go to the OLEG rule. If I can fix it in two minutes, which most of them are, the appraisal came in short. They still want to argue about repairs. Uh, they won't do the price reduction. That's a two-minute conversation. If it's super personal, we'll schedule time. If something's really going on in your life, uh, and you are important to me because you're one of my valued employees, I'll make time. I'm not so full of myself that I think I run like a Swiss watch. I'll make time for you. And what time does your day end? I'm usually home by 7. I may finish my last call in the driveway, but when I'm, when I'm home, when I hit the garage door opener, it's over. And I don't look at my phone again until 8.15 the next morning when I get in my car and change my voicemail. Okay. And do you work weekends? Uh, occasionally on Saturday, very rarely on Sunday anymore. Okay. So you notice I do a lot of Saturday. I, I love going on two or three. If I'm going to get up on Saturday and get dressed, I want to go on at least two or three listing appointments. I don't want to go on one. And I go on a lot of listing appointments. But I definitely go on appointments on Saturday if they're scheduled. But no same day, no. If it's not on my calendar by Thursday, then it's not on my calendar. I'm not a, a booty call agent anymore. I don't just... You can't just call me. You can't just call me at the last minute and say, you up? What are you doing? I'm not that guy. I used to be that guy. I'm sorry to say I was, I was young and I needed the money, but not anymore. I'm going to write that down. Yeah. So, Dayton, how many hours a week do you work? Forty-five-ish. Forty-five-ish. And about 42 of those are fun. I mean, truly. Talk to my friends. Talk to my clients. Most of them are happy. Uh, most of my staff is happy most of the time, and and I love the coaching part of it, so that's all fun. And so, gee, I mean, it really is, it's, a, it's an unbelievable way to make a living. I mean, I'm just having a blast. How many are your teams? 25 total. I think something like, it looks like a clown car when we come in out of the office, but about, I think about 25 right now. Yes, yes, ma'am. 
So your RP1 has your printed schedule for you to review. First thing in the morning you get there, you see your schedule for that day. Yes, ma'am. Do you preview it at all before so that you're thinking, oh, I'm going on this listing appointment. I need to do a little bit of preliminary work on this. I might look at it the day before. That's a great question. I might look at it the day before just to see. Am I supposed to be Am I supposed to be at breakfast at 7 o'clock when I normally wouldn't get to the office until 8.15? And so I do, I do want to make sure I don't miss something like that. And somebody all of a sudden I look at my phone thinking, huh, rats, I should have been somewhere. That's not cool. So that's, so I, I do double check on that. If they move something on my, again, sometimes I'll have it two or three days in advance in my, in my binder. And if they move something, I tell them, you gotta give me, you gotta send me a text. If you moved that appointment, I might not have that fresh one. If I left, if I didn't start the day in the office, if I started the day on the road, and you move something, you got to send me a text to let me know. I've got top producer on my phone, but I don't always look on my phone. Uh, if, if they moved it without telling me, that's number one. Number two, I'm very blessed with my team in that I don't have to spend a lot of time looking at a folder before I walk out the door. I can, uh, when I've got a listing appointment, I grab that folder on the way out. I can close my eyes and open up that folder. I know exactly what's in it, in what order, every single time, the listing agreement, the market analysis, the net sheets, all the addendums, it's all there. The little starter gift, the feedback survey, the all about you form. I can close, like I said, I can close my eyes, open up the folder, I know exactly what's in it every single time. The map, if it's, if it's a really new property, uh, tax rolls, the whole thing's all, but interviews have been done, all that stuff's all there. So I don't have to spend a lot of time looking at it. Now if it's a super, super special property, or somebody comes to me and say, I'm really struggling with this one because I can't find comps, I'll, I'll coach them up on that. Oops. Any questions before we move on to the yes, theme ma'am. days? So the, the question is, how do you teach your team to run the comparables? You teach them. You say, go do this market analysis for me. Bring it back. And then you grade it and say, you did get, why did you use that? And I know we'll have instances where generically, we're doing a market analysis for Happy Valley. Well, there's two Happy Valleys in San Antonio. There's one where everything's $100 a foot, and there's one where everything's $60 a square foot. Why did you not recognize when you see all these sales at $100 a square foot, this was an outlier? Which one doesn't fit? You've got to look at that and say, oh, that's the one that's two counties over. That's not the same Happy Valley. Or why did you, these were all two-story master up or two-story master down, or that one had a pool, or did you make an adjustment for that? And so you got to spend some time coaching and training them. And what I learned the hard way was if you hire people out of the industry that don't know what they're doing, you got to spend a lot of time coaching and training them. If you hire people that already know what they're doing, I'll look a lot better. And that took me a long time to figure that out. So Dayton's a lot, so he's a level, as we're pretty clear, a level or two higher than me. But I still have my team, so I still do the end market analysis, right? I'm still the one that says, yes, I think this is the price. Dayton's team is ahead of mine in that way, but they still have all the old MLS sheets, all the comparables for the neighborhood. If there's an outlier, I still say, okay, I want, I want homes that are within this radius with four bedrooms, three baths. They can't have a first floor. Like I'll, I'll drill out some information that they need to pull up for me. You give them a criteria. Yes. They're very clear on this is what I need. And then I then have all the information I go through and say, I can then go, nope. Yes. That's a great one. It's just like this one. I'm golden. So they can still do all the pre-work if they're not as dialed into the market, like mine aren't as dialed in as his are in terms of knowing the area, they're all pretty new actually. I've had some of them only a couple of years. Um, I still finish it, but you can still, like all of us that are like, I have to do my own analysis. I still do my own analysis, but I, I can teach someone to go into MLS and follow some criteria and pull all the information for me. So whether you're on more of my level, because I have a five person team for me, or whether you have a different level team, it's, it's figure out how you can get them to help you to accomplish those things, right? So I don't spend the time logging in and pulling properties and going, everyone can pull a tax roll, everyone can pull a previous sale, everyone can pull, if it's in a Dunmore neighborhood, I, they can pull active contingent pending sold within the last seven months. I don't have to do that, you don't have to do that. Who still does that? Oh, shame, shame, shame. Who's not gonna do that anymore? Okay, better, better. Who still does net sheets? Oh, delegate, delegate, delegate. You don't need to do net sheets. But do a, do a net sheet, it's going to sell. Here's, I do them in five or $10,000 increments. So if I'm going on a $250,000 house, it'd be 240, 250, 260. With six months of taxes prorated, 
typical VA closing costs, uh, some money allocated for repairs, kind of a worst case scenario. And then I've got three three um, net sheets to show them. Hey, if we sell for 250, here's about where you're going to be with our mortgage payoff because we got that from the preliminary interview before we went on the appointment. So we've got that information. Who, uh, let, me ask, let me ask one more question. How frustrating is it when you get let me back up? How great is it when you walk into a listing appointment and the keys are laying there and the surveys laying there and the mortgage statements laying there? How much fun is that? Right. How frustrating is it when you get about three quarters of the way through the listing appointment and they say the survey, the survey. Yeah. Hang on one second. And one of them takes off upstairs and they're yelling and screaming at each other across the house. No, it's not in that folder. No, it's not. You lose all your momentum. Right. Anybody have that client? Okay. The great interview, all that stuff. If you do it right, tell your people what you want. A lot of that stuff will go away. It's a big aside, but that's big. Yes, sir. Hey, Dayton, you had mentioned that when you take the file, all of the interviews had been done. By who and what do those interviews consist of? So the transaction coordinator does that interview and we, where, you know, where the lead came from, who the referral partner might have been, uh, what their status with the house is, any expectations they have, any upgrades they've made. I mean, again, I, I can't stand walking into a, a one-story listing appointment with a two-story market analysis or their seller's name spelled incorrectly on every single document, or the ex-spouse's name on every single document, or the ex-spouse's name on every single document when the new spouse is sitting there. That's no fun. Or worse. Honestly, or, worse is they died. Somebody died. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry, Mrs. Jones. I'm sure he was a lovely man. I'm so sorry. And you're scratching through. And there are clients. Who's had that client that makes you change every change every single... But really, the key is it's a system, right? It's a system that your team has. It's a checklist. If you've ever come to one of my classes, you know I have checklists for checklists. They go through, and they make the phone call, and they say, oh, Marjorie's really looking forward to meeting with you. We have some questions for you. Can they ask the questions, right? Just like the setup for the appointment, just like the videos going out, just like me showing up on time, me not wearing two different shoes, which I have done. Um, it's all a system. Well, you take – we've got to do the daily team meeting. Yeah. Or we're, we're going to get okay. – and so. All right. So – all right, daily team meeting. So we were going to kind of go through briefly sort of, I was going to go through what my Monday daily team meeting looks like, and then Dayton's going to go through his daily team meeting. Just to help you out, because I think a lot of people say, oh, yeah, yeah, have a daily team meeting, and then it's, they don't really have a daily team meeting. Right. So um, we've tried all kinds of different things. We've tried the whole team, not the whole team. So um, on our Monday meetings, they last about an hour and a half. Um, the entire team is there. Each team member is responsible for bringing to the meeting what they're responsible for. So if you're my RP1 and you're in charge of transactions closing, you come with everything that I need to know. If you're in charge of marketing, you are saying, here's the next marketing project. I have questions. This many people are coming, whatever it may be. If you're in charge of happy hours, this is where we are in the happy hours. Here's the calls you need to make. Right. So we start every Monday going around. How's everyone's doing? How's everyone doing? Please don't skip that. How's everyone doing? How was your weekend? We talk for about five minutes, you know, super excited about this because most of you roll in and you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good to see you. Be quiet. I have to see you have coffee now. What's going on today? Right. So come in. How was your weekend? So good to see you. Like so exciting. How are the kids? Did you go to the baseball game? Right. You go around that. Warm things up a little bit. So, I mean, I'd probably do it, I know I'd do it differently than you, but the first thing I do is we have the week's calendar out. And so we go through everything that's happening that week. So it's Monday morning, the next we have our team meeting, then we have this, then we have this. I have this listing appointment, you're showing this buyer, you're going to this home inspection, you're attending this marketing, whatever it may be. We go through the whole week. Everyone's clear on the week. And I found what that's done is avoided someone going, ooh, I forgot to put this on here, right? Because I don't manage my calendar anymore. If I touch it, I mess it up every single time. So that's so the puzzle. Through. That's the picture of the puzzle. This yeah. is what the week's going to look like for the entire team. Yep. Here we go. It's all color blocked in Google Calendar. It's very visual. I'm a super visual person. This is what we're doing. So we have this many listing appointments so far. We have this many buyer appointments. So we go through the calendar for the week. The next thing we do is we go through, I have lead spreadsheets. So I have Bethany, and she's in charge of all the leads, because here's what I will tell you. I'm awful at managing leads. So I, I'm like, I don't know, maybe it's age. Um, but literally, she'll be like, you know, tomorrow you're going to the Hendersons. And I'm like, oh, who are the Hendersons? And she's like, the people you met two weeks ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember the Hendersons. I would be terrible. So it is, here are the listings that are on the market. 
the listing that's on the market, the next time I've talked to them, the last thing that happened, the last price reduction, the vacant house checks, every listing on the market, where we are, any issues, has anyone called in and maybe somebody I need to do an extra touch point on, you know, are we doing any open houses, everything for all listings. Then the next thing is upcoming listings, listings that are in process, right, photos being taken, staging being done, whatever, these are the next listings we have coming. And then our third tier is listings that don't have listing agreements in a plan yet that I need to get back in front of so that we can be in plan. And then we do the same thing for buyers. Buyers that are under contract, buyers that are in the car, buyers that I need to get in the car. Then my to-do list is also clear. These are the people I have to get in front of. I need to push these people. I have two showing agents. So, hey, you know what? They're kind of circling around things. We need to cement them from this weekend. So we go through calendar, then we go through leads, then each team member presents what they're responsible for that I need to know. It's that way every Monday, right? And then if there's something we're going to train on, we'll do a short training. So it's like, okay, there's a script. So, you know, I, I'm lucky. I do, well, lucky. I do have to do a lot of extra calls with Rick. And if Rick says, here is a new close or here's the way your team members need to address this, we'll do a training on it. Go around the room. This is what Rick said we have to do. This is what we need to implement. Let's role play this so that you're comfortable with it. We set it up. Any questions that they all have, right, they all have to ask a question. I want them to ask a question. I want them to be engaged. So what questions do you have for me? What can I help you with? Is there anything else you need from me? Because, right, I'm going to now roll on to what I need to do. My call list is handed to me. If there's a marketing project I have to review, it's handed to me. My birthday list is handed to me. Everything that I'm set up for. And then meeting is done, and I'm out. So that's what our meeting looks like. It's very structured. We have, you know, our routine. Everyone knows it. I go first, this person goes first, this person, it's not like today, maybe we'll do it this way. Well, that's our Monday meeting. That's our longest meeting. It's an hour and a half. All of our other meetings are probably 15 minutes and very much this is what's happening today. This is the calendar. This is what's happening. But Monday's the longest. So I thought I'd go through the Monday meeting. Everyone's in the meeting. So what if for newbies who just started and they don't have a team, so you have one or two more if it's one RP1 and you, that RP1's pretty busy. As we all know, we had one RP1, they're doing a lot of stuff. Then you're segmenting through the stuff. So even if it's one person, right, so if it's five different people, if Cleve is my RP1, it's okay. Here's what my calendar looks like for the week. So then Cleve would then, here, we're going to go through the leads. It's still the same thing. It's just they're not multiple people talking. It's still the same structure, right, because I have to be on time and clear on what I need to do, and leads are the next thing, right? Leads are vital, right? So we go through leads. Then we go through listings, right, and people in process, and then projects. So if, if you're the only one, then you're the one that's handing me marketing things or the marketing person sent us this. And I know this is going to sound really silly, but even if it's just you, right, like we talk about team building and everything, if I have to have a, me have a meeting with yourself, you sound like you're a little crazy, but you still have to set up your day, right? So for everyone that's like, oh, we don't do that, and it works great, no, right? Like I get there before the team meeting, and I make sure that I'm, you know, in place and I'm ready and anything else that we need to discuss. Everyone has to come prepared to the team meeting. So I will tell you one more thing about team meeting. We've tried all different things, and our team meeting is Monday at 10. And a lot of people are like, well, that's, well, that's not to start the day. The problem is, like, contracts have come in over the weekend. People are a little distracted. I want them to have time to get in, check email, check voicemails, be prepared for the day, have the folders ready, and they're ready to go. So if they're waiting for a marketing project from somebody, they were able to get that from wherever or get it from the printer and everything and have it ready. We were trying to do them at 8.30 and people were like, oh, I don't know. I don't know what happened yesterday. I still need to find out. There was too much that wasn't done. So Monday's at 10. We go till 11.30. It's That's like your guy calling you first thing Monday morning. I don't, I don't have any feedback yet. So you got to fix that. So that's a great, that's a great workaround. Give me a chance to get squared away. And if it goes a little bit, it rolls right into lunch if necessary, but otherwise it's done. Yep. There we go. Following yeah. meetings are earlier, Correct. Quicker. The other ones that are 15 minutes long, we do at 9 a.m. 9 a.m., okay. They all get in. So my team works 8.30 to 5. They get in at 8.30. I often get in at 8.30, sometimes I'm in there before. It depends on the day. But they get in at 8.30. It still gives them 30 minutes that, remember, they all send emails at 5, you know, right as they're leaving, I need to check on this showing or, hey, did we get the appraisal or whatever it is. And they have that 30-minute period to be able to update me. Because otherwise you go in and I'm like, is the, is the appraisal there? I don't know. I need to check. Did we get this contract in? I don't know. I need to check. Did these, you know, did you check the voicemail? No, I didn't have to. Then it's, you know. So give them their 30 minutes. They're prepared. Tell me what I need to know. All right. I want to hear Dayton's team meeting. So the, my agenda is in there. Uh, it, it's it's about it right the here. same across the board every during, during the week. Page 131 if you guys want to look at it. Thank you. 
So a quick quick chit-chat, how's it going, how was your weekend? A few more minutes on a Monday, typically. But then very quickly, I'm looking for what leads came in in the last 24 or 48 hours. Were they buyers, sellers? What was the source of that lead? And, and then we look at any offers or options that came in. Is it in our court? Is it in their court? What do we need to do to get it out of uh, the negotiations and into escrow or out of the option period and into pending? Then we look at our next 10 buyers, our next 10 listings, and our next 10 closings. Are there any issues around any of those? It's very fast. The world has changed a little bit now. You know that deal is not going to close. Nothing should sneak up on you anymore with all the forms and trid and this and that and the other. So uh, if it's still in underwriting and you're supposed to close in 48 hours, you got a problem. You should know that. Your transaction coordinator should know that and be able to tell you that. So you're not finding out the day of or the day before. But having a lot of accountability on that and making sure they own those files makes all the difference in the world. So, that, that, I mean, it's, it's short and simple, but it is recorded, and we look at the listings that I've been on. Did we get a sign on the ground, or are we waiting to hear back from them, or the leads that we're chasing, our hot buyers, and our escrows? And then any delegation. Does anybody need me? They're calling us. Mrs. Smith is really bent. you got to call her today. Okay, fine. I'll call Mrs. Smith. Anything else? And see if there's anything else I need to be doing. And then I'm out and onto the phone or wherever I need to be. But that could be, that could be standing up. That could be two people. That could be one person. If you're a sole, is there, how many sole practitioners in the room? One of you? Or Mike? Dan? Dan, I thought you had more than that. No? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Alright, so everybody else has got somebody to collaborate with on this. But you gotta sit down and look at it and say, how are we doing with this deal? What's going on here? And have that conversation and go through, like I said, every lead, they get put on the lead tracker. Uh, that's when you compare your greatness tracker through your assistant and make sure that's updated. You compare your lead tracker with your assistant, make sure that's updated and go through the leads that came in, offers and options, next 10 buyers, next 10 listings, next 10 uh, closings. Yes, ma'am. So you fill out this, the page on 131, you fill that out in addition to the, you fill one of these out every day. Yes. Yes. That is a best practice. But Dayton, are you filling it out? No, I don't do that. No. But the core, the core answer is the team leader should be in the room filling that out every day, and that's about a 15, 20 minute meeting every day without fail. So when they show up to the meeting, it's already filled out, they haven't prepared for the previous day? Not necessarily. Well, because you might say, well, after you left, so and so called your previous client from whatever, and so all that gets distilled onto that paper, so it's recorded somewhere. I can't stand sticky notes. And so, so I want to... Yeah, they're archived, yeah. So then somebody owns it going forward. So then it goes into top producer, then it goes into whatever whatever process or system we have after that. Yes, sir. Are you feeding either from the lead tracker to these morning meeting sheets that you guys have? Do you have a sheet as well, Marjorie? You do? So do you basically have your RP1s, take stuff off lead tracker, put it on there, and then go back and update lead tracker I after the meeting? So we, the lead tracker is where we, any lead that comes in has to go on the lead tracker. And then we work off of our spreadsheets. Okay. So any discussion, the spreadsheet is there, we're talking about the leads, whatever it may be, we're getting updates, the spreadsheets are updated. Right? So we have all the information, the contact information, the first time they reached out to us, the last time we met with them, the next step that's supposed to happen, who's supposed to do it and when is on a spreadsheet. Because the lead tracker is the source, right, to make sure all leads go on, but then it has to go into a system, right, because there has to be a clear follow-up, who did what last, who's responsible next, okay. right, because there's just too much margin for error. So, who, so Bethany, who takes care of the sheet, is updating it as we're talking. Very detail-oriented person in that role to make sure that it gets done. So you created that form yourself, the spreadsheet? Yeah, I'm working on not being as... I'm a high DI, and I don't have any real C or S, and it's really odd that that's possible because I'm a very, 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 very structured person. And so, yes, there is a... Ch the, it's filled out, and it's filled out right, and it's updated, and it's followed. 
because I think that's why we all live in chaos. It's like this time this worked and I didn't do it that time and I forgot to record it and no one's clear who does what. Right? It's a very, right, the phone rings in our office, a lead comes in, four people can answer the phone, that lead has to go to Bethany. Bethany puts it on the lead tracker, the folder is started. I am alerted, right? It's, it's just the same system. There is no margin of, you know, the post-it or whatever it is, or did Marjorie call, right? And they all work off of, just in the front of the blue beast that the core gives you is the to-do list. They have binders with to-do lists, right? They put it on the to-do list, and they run my to-do list. So I have four people... They give me stuff to do, right? It's super fun. But it gets done, and it gets done because did you do this? And it, if there's something that needs to be done and I'm squirreling a little bit, the phone is handed to me. The Joneses need to talk to you, right? Because I'll, oh, I'll call them later. No, no, right? So I am, like I said, I, I don't love it, but I am directed all day long, right? And I'm, I mean, I'm only halfway where I need to be. But I'm 50% better than I was two years ago, right? So the more that you're in control of all this destiny is the problem, right? Like the day in the life of a top producer, um, a day in the life of a realtor is chaos because of you and me, right? And, and then if you have chaos with your team, it's your fault again because we didn't train them or we didn't give them clear expectations or they don't have clear benchmarks or systems, Right. So I will tell you a day in the life also has to be that you've trained them, but you have to be clear first. I think one strength I have is I'm very clear. Like I will dream up like I don't sleep well because I'm super type A, but I will I will play a meeting. Right. Like, I don't know. I mean, does anyone else do this? But I will play a scenario and this is how it's going to go. And this is the way the phone call goes. And this is how they're going to answer a lead. And this is how the system's going to go. And I have done thousands of listing appointments in my head. Right? Storyboard the whole thing of what you want. Yeah, and like nothing better than, you know, going, ooh, right? Like, like I would love to, like, bring it, right? So it's like you got to be with your day to me. Bring it. You know what I mean? And then I listen to Oleg and I'm like, damn, I'm awful, right? Like, I'm the baby planner in terms of I have so much to learn and like Dayton. But like, you guys, it's one step at a time, right? It's an, it's an implementation of something that you fix a problem that you make an expectation. I, I don't know a better way to put it. So what, what drives me, what, where I fail sometimes is I get that disapproving look from one of my transaction coordinators where they've asked me more than once to call somebody. Yeah. Anybody been there? You promised me you'd call them. Oh, damn, I really don't want to make that call. But that's the job, which leads us to the big calls. Yes, ma'am. So is everybody coming to your daily meeting in person? Because we're first semester. We have seven RP2s and three RP1s, mm. and we're the two team leaders, and we're getting tons of pushback mm. because we have a huge radius. So I'm about a 40-mile radius around our office, and not everybody lives close by. Mm. So I'm getting a lot of pushback on the meeting. I wouldn't be as worried about the buyer's agents because they're independent contractors, and oh. you, you, you open up a whole new can of worms. If you make them come to a meeting and make them do this and make them do that, that ends up being a problem, and that's an industry issue we're going to have that's that's coming at us right now but your staff it's not it's not negotiable so and and so they need to be there and everybody else needs to turn in anything that's that's important to that meeting so if if your outside buyers agents captured two leads they need to turn those into somebody prior to that meeting via text via email they still have some obligations there they may not have to be fully present and they may be a distraction but they at least have to do their portion of it. Fair enough? Okay. The big calls. That's the third thing we wanted to talk about. We wanted to talk about uh, the day and then obviously the, um, the daily team meeting. And now we want to talk about the big calls because that's where the money is. So lay it on me. Where are your struggles, frustrations, and challenges around big calls? I'm talking about big calls. So I'll, hang on one second, Brandy. Yes, sir. Who's your favorite people for your VIP list? My favorite people for my BI, by I, I do a lot of work with builders. I love builders because when they get, pay, when I get the deal done, they feed their family. So that's, that's really nice. My second favorite people are financial planners. When I get the deal done, it makes them look good. It doesn't necessarily go to their bottom line. Sometimes it does, but their, their fortunes aren't necessarily tied to my success. But with the builders and the on-site reps, uh, they get paid when I do my job. And so I, those, 
those work for me. So I like lenders. People like realtors like lenders because I have a pretty high expectation of you if you're getting business from me. So I like um, meeting up with my lenders. I like getting connections from my lenders. So I will tell you, lenders, I think it's always like, how can I get business or whatever it may be? And I get that. I mean, obviously, you need the business. If you're going to connect me, I'm going to I'm going to work your connections. I don't know what a nicer way to say that. But like if Jeremy's my lender, I may be able to give him lots of leads and he may not be able to give them to me. But I can meet all of Jeremy's VIPs and I can meet all of his people that take really great care of him. So he can really support me and I get a lot of business from my lenders, business people. Right. Nice. Absolutely. Yeah, so my lenders help feed them, and then I have a property manager that just takes really good care of We have no illusion the lenders have a bunch of relationships, and so, but again, the introductions, the other things. Yes, sir, Jeremy. So, I, I, just a quick question. Can, can you define, when you say big call, what does that mean? Is that multiple different contexts? Like- yeah, let's, let's hit it. So, they're all big. Some are bigger than others, but these are the, the ones you're struggling with are the biggest ones. So, let's go. Who is struggling with big calls? So, big calls could be yes, VIPs, whoever. Oh, that's a big sales call. Okay. Well, any big call. I'm sorry. That's fine. I was, and so, so you, that's an introduction. You've got to find somebody on LinkedIn or Facebook that can introduce you to that person. HR people are the most risk averse people I've ever met in my life because they don't want to take a chance on anything. And they, now, now insurance, a 401k, something else, but to align with a realtor is very difficult for them unless you can really explain and articulate your value proposition. So you're going to have to get a warm introduction unless you've personally done business with them, but you've got to find somebody else that is part of that organization or that company that's already a client of yours, who is a fan of yours, and that will take you by the hand and introduce you to that person. But what if you can get that introduction, what do you say? If you can get that introduction, I would love to take, let's talk about your, the business and how I might be able to help. Do you have inbound reloads? Do you have outbound reloads? Do you have local employees? And we, companies spend a fortune doing inbound and outbound reloads. They don't do anything for the locals. So somebody that wants to sell their house and buy another house close by to the company, uh, there's a whole curriculum from NAR about a home from work. I mean, it's unbelievably robust curriculum about how you can help uh, companies make better employees by help making them be homeowners as opposed to renters and how much more um, valuable they are to the company, uh, how much more pride of ownership they've got, uh, their, how, their tenure and things like that. So your value might be, I'm going to make, I'm going to align with a lender and we're going to take care of your, your employees and help them get their credit squared away and help them be homeowners and, and then they'll be more loyal workers. It's a, it's a employee added benefit. I'm a big fan also of whoever, so if we're getting into big calls, ask a lot of questions. So I think we all go into these calls assuming we know what they need. So if I were calling an HR director, I would say, hey, I would love to meet with you and find out what challenges or struggles you have with bringing in incoming employees. Because I know that when people come to move to town, I have to, you gotta sell the town, I can help you sell the town. You You gotta sell the other spouse. Right. The person's coming in, they've got the job, they're pretty jazzed, they're feeling loved. You know, I wanted to learn more about, how can I help you? What, what can we do to help you bring more people to our community? Right? It benefits them and it benefits me, right? To build the community. So I ask a lot of questions on any of these. Versus trying to think that I know what it is that they're looking for. Right. Offer a quality of life tour, things like that for inbound reload. Yes sir. Hey Jaden, um, the, call that I'm struggling with right now that I think is a big call is not the sales call. It's the Tuesday update call on a market that has slowed when I've got an $800,000 house that is getting no showings. I've got a frustrated seller and three months ago his neighbor sold for $20,000 more and it's almost the same house. That's the call I'm struggling with. Okay. So if you've been doing your Tuesday update calls, you've been kind of keeping them apprised of what's going on. When you're looking at a big client like that or a big price reduction like that, that's usually a face-to-face, and it's worth the time because of the what we're talking about in the way of commissions to go see them. I really want to come talk to you and give you an update about what's going on, but I'd rather do it in person than over the phone. It's really – people get real snarky on email and real snarky on voicemail and hide. It's amazing how they hide. It's the same way that they, they flip you off when they're driving down the road. they got 3,000 pounds wrapped around them. If they were standing there looking in the eye, there's no way they would do that to you. But, and it's, and, and computers seem to be the same. 
but in person, it's going to have, really have a hard time turning you down when you lay it out in front of them and say, look, here's the absorption rate. The last house sold for this. They're usually selling in 60 to 90 days, but here's what the showings are doing. Here's the last couple sales and so on and show them the stats. Yeah, but now you're protecting $20,000 worth of revenue and you gave them honor by doing this in person. And it's, and it's an exception. You wouldn't do that on all of them, but you don't want to lose. You don't know the work now and all the heavy lifting is time to get paid. You, you don't want somebody like me coming in behind. Wow, that listing expired. I get the $30,000 price reduction and I get paid. Remember that. So firstborn, second spouse, third realtor. Dane. Yes, yes, ma'am. So in relation to that, though, that same conversation, everybody's like, well, forget it. We're just going to take it off the market. We're going to put it on in the spring. What does that conversation look like for you right now? Because we don't know that that's going to be any better. Right. Next and spring. So then you want to go into sales mode and, and say, okay, I'm going to put on my salesman hat for a minute. Is that all right? Yes. Okay. So here's what's going to happen next spring. Uh, what you want is going to get more expensive because new homes are going up, labor and materials and development costs and things like that. So your next house is going to be more expensive, typically. Your house may go up in value, but even if they go up at the same rate, you're going to lose ground on the vigor. And if interest rates go up, your house just got that much more expensive, and the one you're selling just got that much harder to sell. So now may be a better time, and we need to get more aggressive before that one gets out of reach. Are you having any conversations about the shift in the market and it stabilizing and, you know, because people, I think the spring was so great that people seem confused, right? Well, they, they don't care about the shift as much as they care about their particular house and their circumstances. So part of it is just keeping them educated on what's going on and getting ahead of that. So they're not looking for you. They're not calling you. You're being proactive and staying ahead of that deal. And reminding them over and over again why they're downsizing, why they're headed to Florida, why they, you know, why they want to chase the grandkids, why they want to consult, whatever that is, you got to keep reminding them of that over and over and over again. Yes, sir. I have a couple of So I have a couple of listings that's been sitting on the market a long time, and my renter is like, dude, I have a mortgage on it, it's vacant, I want to turn it back into a rental. Yeah, we haven't had that. I mean, so to me, well, I mean, why did we put it on the market in the first place? So why did you decide to not continue to rent it? Because they wanted to sell it. Because they're thinking that right. No, but that, no, you're, I mean, I'm, I would be talking to you like you're them, right? So I would say, look, we put it on the market because you've rented it for five years. You've now just done all these improvements. Your tenants beat the, you know what, out of the house. We just put in new paint, new carpets. We updated everything to put it on the market. Your goal is to sell it because you want to buy another investment property in Florida. You know, again, I don't know what the scenario is, but I'm making one up. So if we now re-rent it, not only do you not get to do that, but you put all of this money into a house that you're now going to re-rent that is going to get damaged again. So that all that money you spent is for nothing, right? So, yes, it's vacant. we got to get aggressive now. So I'm going to start pushing hard for we got to reduce the price. Here's where we are. You know what your goal is. That's not the way to, t to hit your goal. So I guess it's why did they do it? When do they need to be somewhere? What, what are we doing here? Um, you know, to me, it's whatever the scenario is. Like, I just made one up, but it's kind of figuring out what, this, what the position they were in, why they're doing what they're doing, re-cementing what their plan is and goal of why we did it in the first place. Because if it was an investment property, there's a reason they don't want to rent it anymore. Like, I might cash one out the year if my kid goes to a very expensive school. So um, I have a clear reason why I'd want to make that sale, right? So I don't want to re-rent it. So it's, it's what was the goal and how do we accomplish that goal? If, if Rick's right about the market, and I wouldn't bet against him ever for anything, if he is right about the market next year, our growth might just be in reducing our breakage and our spillage and our shrinkage. When you think about the listings that you have that expire, the listings that I have that, if not you, the listings that I have that expire or cancel because we could have done a better job loving on them and reminding them and, 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 and taking that number from arbitrarily 30% down to 20%, that might be the growth in our, in our practices next year. So really getting on your A game because we've been shooting fish in a barrel for a very long time and now it's going to get a little bit tougher. So you better get your scripts and dialogues down, you better get your processes right, and you better get ahead of that curve. And the, and the business, your growth in your business might just come from the, your follow-up, your incubation systems getting better, and your retention getting better with your clients.
Yes, ma'am. Um, along the same line, the, the Tuesday update call where there's nothing going on and you got to right. tell them something. Okay, so I've got a seller. They've got an appraisal. You know, the house was listed. I, I got four offers for them at around 400000 mm. over the summer. The market was hot. The market's changed. I got them down to four nineteen. They're like, we want to do an appraisal, you know, to just see. Well, the appraisal came back at 437, you know, and so when I make that update call, you know, I guess my dialogue is, you know, because I don't want to push too hard because then I don't want to yeah. f them off <laughs> because they're already mad. They have to right. blame somebody. And so, you know, my, my, what I say is, you know, are we priced as well as we can be? Mm -hmm. To throw it in their court. Well, you know, we, with the appraisal, we just we really feel as though we, we just want to leave it, which we're not getting anything. And they're moved out, so I can't have that face to face conversation because they're already moved out of town. Okay. Now. So so appraisers make five hundred dollars whether they spend two hours or two days working on that, and they said it was worth four thirty. Four buyers said it was worth four hundred. Four people with money in their pocket. That appraiser is not going to buy your house. And so that was his opinion of your property in one day and time. And the reason they're there is to basically prevent a mortgage fraud and make sure the lender hasn't overextended themselves. But if they say, okay, the house is worth 430, they say, great, where's my buyer? When's it going to sell? Oh, I don't know about that. So part of it is, you know, what's it, what's it worth and what can I sell it for? Right. And right now I can't sell it for that number. I can sell it for this number. I can sell it. I'll write you a check. Do we, I didn't do that in the other class. At this number, I'll write you a check for it. But at that number, it's going to sit. And it's obviously, if it was worth that, it would have sold for that in the last, in the hottest market in the last six months or whatever you want to say. And so, and that appraisal could have come in at 385 too. And, and I tell them, I, I can send three appraisers out there. They're clerks with a rule book right now. I can send three out there, FHA, VA, and conventional, and they would come up with three different values for that house. Why we have three different appraisals beyond me at this point. But anyway, we do. But they've got three separate rule books that they have to go by, what comp they can use, how far they can go, what adjustment they can make, how far back in time they can go, how they measure the house. I'll get three different measurements for the same house. Well, they won't be that far off, but, I mean, but they'll be different. But we're going to pour, pour all everything we do into that one guy's opinion of value when the market has already said that's not the number. Sometimes you have to. Somebody got not, you got nothing to lose at that point. You, you got nothing to lose. Because there, you know it's not going to sell, and it hasn't sold, and so. Yeah, well, Yeah, and they'll never come back to you and say, "I'm really sorry, you were right. I should have stuck with you." It never happens. Big calls. Okay, yes, ma'am, Michelle. Okay, you're gonna love this one. This is the one everybody loves. Well, and this just happened to me. So it was a for sale by owner. They're now on the market. They tried to sell it. They couldn't sell it. So we staged it, all this, whatever. So another one down the street goes on for $15,000 less, okay, which is where they should be priced, and she won't move it. But Zillow says oh. <laughs> that this is the price, and I am not going to take less than that because that is what that says, you know, because everybody's hanging their hat there. Right. Tell me your conversation with that because lately, I don't know, either I just don't want to talk about it or I'm stumped by it. Well, you can statistically, you can go pull half a dozen other sales and say this was the Zestimate on these sales and this is what they ultimately sold for and show them how ridiculously disparate the values are. That's one way to say that this one was, they said 400 sold for 365, 425 sold for 385, how badly they missed. And basically I, I think it's criminal, which is why I don't want to give them any money. That's a whole nother conversation. But, uh, so you got to show them. And, and everybody thinks, everybody's got a different value for the house. The tax roll thinks it's worth one thing. The appraiser thinks it's worth something else and all those kind of things. I mean, really, it comes down to two things. The house is worth what a seller will sell it for and what a buyer will buy it for. A willing Zillow buyer and a willing a, seller, yeah, neither party Zillow is an estimate. You've had it on the market for this long. Nobody's wanted it. We're losing. But is that, is that Oh yeah, and, and my, my insurance appraisal said my house is worth four hundred. Well, yeah, the investment is this. Yeah. You know, my neighbor thought it was worth this, and I have pretty purple carpet, whatever it is. Yeah. It's worth two things. 
Yes, ma'am. So people say that to me all the time. And Zillow actually has a page buried deep that states that their estimates are inaccurate specific amount of times in specific metros. So it's a really high number. It's like something like 40% wrong in more than 60% metros. It's huge. So you can use that, and it's also subjective. People can go in and change their values based on their opinion. So it's not an accurate. I'm accurate. I'm the professional. I'm in the market. I'm seeing every house. I'm selling every house. I'm the one you should be relying on. That is, that is Rick Ruby's brain surgeon clothes. I have sold 2,000, 3,000, 5,000 houses. If, if you don't trust me, I'm probably not your person. Well, I think you have to sometimes. It's hard to Yeah. Hey, Dayton, I don't know if you heard, but the owner, one of the owners, CEOs of Zillow, there's a huge story, I think maybe it was in the Seattle area where we're from, that his house sold and his Zillow estimate was totally off. And they made a, yep, and they made a scene about it. So tell your owner that. <laughs> what are the big calls, big struggles we have? Yes, ma'am. No? You were stretching? If it was an auction, you'd have bought it the way you, you, way you did that. It's a, it's a little off topic. It has to do with reviews. Okay. Um, at the end of um, when I'm all finished and I'm talking with clients and I have them write a review, I've been having them go to Zillow, but I'm learning Zillow's, well, we know it's our enemy. Do you, do you ask for reviews? Um, yes. Do you have them go to LinkedIn or Zillow, or do you have a place or like online where people can find them? Great question. So uh, is Zade here? Yeah. Is Zade not in the room? No. Nope. He does Yelp. He does Yelp really, really well. I'm frustrated by Zillow. Thank you, Five. Uh, I'm really frustrated with Zillow because you're right. It's a pain to do a review. It's not really easy to do. And then they own it, and you can't do anything else with it. And so, and it's really hard to ask somebody, hey, would you mind going to Zillow, Google, and Yelp and giving me reviews on all three and write me a thank you note that I can put in my brag book? But Marjorie might have a solution. Okay, I'm like dying here. So. Okay, so anyway, thank you all for now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I will tell you, we were struggling with it too. And Zillow is a beast. I get it. And I spend zero dollars on it, but I get a ton of business from people who say, I went on Zillow, you have the most listings, you've had the most sales, we want you to list our house. So I can't ignore it. I'm not going to pay for it, but it's a platform that's there. So after closing, they get one email from us, and in the email it says, thank you so much for working with us. We would really appreciate if you would take the time to fill out some reviews. And the links are right there. They click there, it takes them to Zillow. They click there, it takes them to Google. They click there, it takes them. So the platforms are all there. They don't have to go find things and log into 50 things. We even have a little picture of where they, when they go to the next screen, this is what you do. Please put this prompt in. You can copy the same reviews or whatever it is. It's just one email. And then when they do it, we send them a really nice gift card for taking the time for doing it. And every single client has done it. Wow. Wow. They have no idea there's a carrot at the end. But you've earned that. That is spectacular. Do they usually do all three? Or they pick? No, we get them all. Wow. Wow. But if you make it easy, right, if you say, could you please take your time and get on your cell phone and log into Zillow, which maybe you won't get to, and then you need to search for a page you don't know how to find, and then I need you to write a review, and then you're not going to know how to post the review because that's hard, too, and then I need you to do that again in three other sites with no instruction. And make up a password. Right. So if we give them the whole tool to do it, it's done. And we've told them during, we're going to ask you if we do a great job for you. Can we? Can you do us a favor? We're going to ask you for reviews because you, you know, especially if they got us on Zillow, you know you found us on Zillow. We need more great people like you. So if you ask them and you teach them and you make it easy, they will do it. If you have them log, I'm not going to do If you said, can, hey, can you go on first? I'm no. Like, you know. We usually send the link to them. But it's Zillow, and I'm thinking I probably need to diversify. Shouldn't just yes. be Zillow, but until I get no more business, free business from it, I'm gonna. You need you need a video archive yep. that you can send and incubate clients with that are for closing videos, just 20, 30 seconds to close. Say, oh my God, she took such great care of us. She was fabulous. We love our new house. Thank you so much. The Smith family. Hey, that was a fantastic experience. She sold her house really fast. The Jones family. So you've got videos that you can send out to people, and those are gold. And then we've got 40, 50 of those, I think, something like that. You get them on a phone, whatever. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you put them in our incubation process, then the Zillow reviews, the Yelp reviews, the Google reviews, and so on and so on.
Yes. Sorry. When do you guys ask when for that we, review? When do you ask for that review? Do you wait to we we wait to the end when the process is all done? We ask for surveys throughout the process, referrals throughout the process, and then review at the end of the process. Guys, thank you. Thank you very much for being here and participating. Anything else you need, uh, uh, let us know. We're happy to stay and answer some more questions. Lunch is across outside, I believe. And don't and, vote, forget to fill out your surveys. Oh, please. thank you. Yes, please. Please, please. Those are very competitive, and there's a lot at stake on those. You've been listening to the CORE's Sales Training Boot Camp. For registration information about our two-day business building summits, call 1-800-660-6670 or find us on the web at www.thecoretraining.com.